Hello, welcome to Auditing the Global Capital Markets with Allison. Back again. The last four weeks, we have been recording from London, England. Such a glorious opportunity after almost two decades since I was last in London, England. So it was great to be back. And so hopefully you've been enjoying the programs we've been broadcasting while I'm recording from London. And now we're back in Southern California, excited to start a new show. And we've got a lot of great information to dive right into. So exciting to be here. I'm Allison Johnson, and you're listening to Auditing the Global Capital Markets with Allison. Today, we're going to dive into our latest and greatest numbers on the global economy. I always reference visualcapitalist.com, such a great place to spend your time when you want to understand the global capital markets, the global economy, and where we are in terms of the current state of affairs. So we just got a new listing. Uh, on visualcapitalist.com about where we are. And so during my four weeks in London, England and away from the USA, they published on August 9th, 2023, a new chart visualizing the $105 trillion world economy in one chart done by Pallavi Rao. And it's very interesting because according to the International Monetary Fund projections, global nominal GDP or gross domestic product will reach $105 trillion in 2023. However, key economies like Russia, Canada, and Saudi Arabia are facing shrinking GDPs. So let's look at the entire spectrum from their analysis to see where we stand. The International Monetary Fund sees the world economy growing about 5.3% this year for 2023, or when adjusted for inflation, only about 2.8% world economic growth. Russia's projected $150 billion GDP drop is more than Ukraine's total $149 billion drop in GDP. So both almost at $150 billion GDP drop, Russia and Ukraine from the war. India dethrones the United Kingdom, as we've talked on previous programs, as the United Kingdom is now the fifth, was the fifth largest economy in the world, and India has dethroned them, and India is now the fifth largest economy. China's GDP is expected to grow at 7.1% in 2023, ahead of the USA growth of 5.5%. So visualizing the $105 trillion world economy in this one chart on visualcapitalist.com, they project by the end of 2023, the world economy is expected to have a gross domestic product of $105 trillion or $5 trillion higher than the year before according to the latest International Monetary Fund projections from its 2023 World Economic Outlook report. 
Now, as they said, in nominal terms, that's a 5.3% increase in global GDP. In inflation-adjusted terms, that would be a 2.8% increase. Now, remember, gross domestic product measures the total value of economic output, goods, and services produced within a given time frame by both the private and public sectors. So all numbers that they used in this article that we're referencing, unless otherwise specified, are in nominal figures and do not account for inflation. So they adjusted for inflation, for instance, on the overall increase, and that lowered the global GDP increase in terms of nominal terms. And also, just for clarification, as we've talked about on auditing the global capital markets throughout this year, of 2023, these are, these are estimates of the global domestic product per year. But in the accumulation of all of this capital and money and circulation of goods and services, we know that we're looking at over $1,720 trillion uh, across this globe in goods and services and, and overall financial assets and and the strength of the global economy. So the year started with turmoil for the global economy with financial markets rocked by the collapse of several mid-sized USA banks alongside persistent inflation and tightening monetary conditions in most countries. Nevertheless, some economies have proven to be resilient and are expected to register growth from 2022. If we rank countries by economic size in 2023, the U.S. is expected to continue being the biggest economy in 2023 with a projected GDP of $26.9 trillion for the year. This is more than the sum of the GDPs of 174 other countries ranked from Indonesia at the 17th point to Tuvalu at the 191st ranking. China stays steady at second place with a projected $19.4 trillion of GDP in 2023. Most of the top five economies remain in the same position from 2022 with one notable exception, which we have referenced on the show several times, and that is India. India is expected to climb past the United Kingdom to become the fifth largest economy with a projected 2023 GDP of $3.7 trillion. Now, this is very interesting, but we have to remember that India just surpassed as the number one growth in population on the planet, surpassing China with over 1.4 billion people. So obviously, GDP per capita is very, very low in China and India because of the greater population levels. So the USA also has a bigger GDP, but also a large, a much smaller population. So if we go through all the rankings, just to give us an idea of where everybody sits, just looking only at the top 10 countries, we're not going to go through all 199 countries on the planet Earth that are in the database for the IMF. Rather, we'll just start, we know the USA, 
uh, is 25.54% of the total global GDP at almost $27 trillion. We then have China at 18.4% of the total GDP at over $19 trillion. And then we have the third country being Japan at 4% uh, of the global economy at 4 trillion, a little over 4.4 trillion, and then followed by Germany, fourth largest uh, economy with $4.3 trillion, occupying again about 4% of the global economy. And as we mentioned, India is now number five with $3.737 trillion, a little, uh, a little uh, more than 3.5% of the global economy, followed by the United Kingdom, at $3.159 trillion, 3% of the global economy, followed by France, number seven, at $2.932 trillion, about 2.78% of the global economy, followed by Italy, which is ranked number eight, and they're standing at $2.17 trillion in terms of GDP, global GDP, about 2% of the global GDP. Uh, number nine is uh, Canada, they're a little over $2 trillion and they have a little less than 2% of the global GDP. And finally, the 10th largest economy is Brazil with $2 trillion and they're 1.98% GDP. Now, of course, uh, it's interesting because the International Monetary Fund uh, does track 191 countries. Uh, and so we could you know, clearly go into the next uh, one hundred and one, one hundred and eighty-nine other countries. But we're going to to just stop here. Uh, we'll just do the next ten, so we get the top twenty economies, like the G twenty. These are the G twenty. So number eleven uh, is Russia with uh, over two trillion, less again one point nine six percent of the global GDP. Followed by number twelve, which is South Korea. $1.722 trillion, 1.64% of the global GDP, followed by Australia at $1.7 trillion, 1.62% of the global GDP, followed by number 14, which is Mexico, and they're at $1.663 trillion, or 1.58% of the global GDP, followed by Spain, number 15, at $1.492 trillion, only 1.42% of the global GDP followed by number 16, which is Indonesia, now at $1.392 trillion, or about 1.32% of the global GDP, followed by the Netherlands as number 17, at $1.081 trillion, or a little over 1% of the global GDP. Number 18 is Saudi Arabia at $1 trillion, uh, and they're a little over 1% of the global GDP as well. And then number 19 is Turkey uh, with, again, $1.029 trillion GDP with less than 1% of the global GDP. And finally, number 20 is Switzerland, which has $870 billion in the uh, total GDP of Switzerland, which is 0.83% of the global GDP. So those top 20 economies, as we've gone over before, uh, really dominate the global GDP because, uh, you know, they're taking up the first, you know, half of the global uh, GDP.
If we look at the largest economies for each region of the world, and we've reviewed this before, um, for Africa, you have Nigeria, uh, which is not in the G20, but they're under there with about $506.6 billion of GDP. So that's the largest of the 55 African countries. In terms of Asia, of course, the largest economy would be China because they have $19.4 trillion of GDP. In Europe, of course, the largest economy is Germany with $4.3 trillion. And then in the Middle East, the largest economy would be Saudi Arabia with $1.1 trillion of GDP. And then, of course, for North and Central America, you would have uh, the USA as the largest economy with $26.9 trillion of GDP. And then in Oceania, uh, of course, Australia will dominate that region with $1.7 trillion of GDP. And then finally, for the South America region, Brazil would be the largest economy with $2.1 trillion of GDP. We also look at the 2023's shrinking economies because, in fact, 29 economies are projected to shrink from their 2022 sizes, leading to nearly $500 billion in lost input, uh, uh, lost output, pardon me. $500 billion in lost output. That's very significant. So let's go over that uh, so we can get a sense of where we are as of 2023. These are the projected changes in nominal GDP from 2022 to 2023 across all of the different regions of the world. So the biggest loss, obviously, is Russia. We've gone through that before. They're going to lose up to $153 billion dollars uh, because of their war against Ukraine. The next would be Egypt. They're losing $88 billion year on year, followed by Canada that's lost $50 billion, Saudi Arabia, which has lost $46 billion in global GDP output, followed by Bangladesh, which is losing over $40 billion. That's very significant for Bangladesh. Then followed by Norway with a shrinking uh, $25 billion and then followed by Kuwait, shrinking by 20 billion, Oman, shrinking by 10 billion, Colombia, shrinking by 9 billion, the United Arab Emirates, shrinking by 9 billion, South Africa, shrinking by 7 billion, Ghana, shrinking by 6 billion, Qatar, shrinking by 6 billion, Angola, shrinking by 4 billion, Zimbabwe, shrinking by 3 billion, the Ukraine, shrinking by only 3 billion. Sudan also shrinking by 3 billion. Iraq shrinking by 2 billion. East Timor also shrinking by 2 billion. And Gabon shrinking by 2 billion. You can probably see what the main theme is on all of those economies, and that's oil and gas. You know, with the fall of the oil and gas prices, all of those economies have lost up to $500 billion in output because of the shrinking. Uh, cost of oil and the shrinking use of oil. As I said, Russia will see the biggest decline with a projected $153 billion in contraction this year. This is equal to about one third of the total decline of all 29 countries that we just listed uh, with uh, their shrinking economies. It's followed by Egypt with that big drop of 88 billion, and then Canada with the 50 billion drop, 
and Egypt and Canada combined make up another one-third of lost output. So Russia, one-third, Egypt and Canada together, another one-third. In Egypt's case, the drop can be partly explained by the country's currency, the Egyptian pound, which has dropped in value against the U.S. dollar by about 50% since mid-2022. Russia and Canada are some of the world's largest oil producers, and the oil price has fallen since 2022. A further complication for Russia is that the country has been forced to sell oil at a steep discount because of Western sanctions. So here are the projected changes in GDP facing year-over-year declines. So we went over those just right now in terms of all of the change from 22 to 23 uh, year-on-year for all of these economies. A lot of them affected by the fall in the oil prices. So we reviewed Russia declining by 153 billion, Egypt declining by 88 billion, Canada declining by 50 billion, Saudi Arabia declining by 46 billion, Bangladesh declining by 40 billion, Norway declining by 25 billion, Kuwait declining by almost 20 billion, Oman declining by almost 10 billion, Colombia declining by almost 10 billion, and the United Arab Emirates almost declining by 9 billion. So the presence of Saudi Arabia, Norway, Kuwait, and Oman in the top 10 biggest GDP contractions further highlights the potential impact on GDP for oil-producing countries, according to the IMF's projections. More recently, producers have been cutting supply in an effort to boost prices, but concerns of slowing global oil demand in the wake of a subdued Chinese economy, the world's second largest oil consumer, have kept oil prices lower than in 2022, regardless. The footnote on a GDP forecast, of course, is that while organizations like the IMF have gotten fairly good at GDP forecasting, it's still worth remembering that these are projections and assumptions made at the beginning of the year that may not hold true by the end of 2023. So we know that, as for example, JP Morgan has already changed their forecast for China's 2023 real GDP growth six times in as many months after expectations of broad-based pandemic recovery spending did not materialize in the country of China. The key takeaway from IMF's projections for 2023 GDP growth rests on how well countries restrict inflation without stifling growth, all amidst tense liquidity conditions. I want to also jump into some analysis that they did on another group of countries that we featured on the program, which helps us really understand beyond you know, just the G20. And they did a new visual capitalist chart um, in September and looking at some of the other economies. And so they really have a, have, have a broken down the uh, 
six new member nations of the BRICS, which are the um, group of economies that came together uh, many years ago to go beyond the G20. And so that's also something that we have reviewed and, and looked at. And I think that's a very important uh, clarification too about uh, where where the growth is going to be. And that's quoting Brazil, Russia, India, and China. Uh, but as we featured in the other programs, they're expanding that. And we've also um, been featuring where we think the growth is and uh, where things are expected to grow for uh, the future, particularly looking into 2050. Um, so let's dive into that a little bit now because the Visual Capitalist does have a report on the global economy in 2050. They just published it actually uh, while I was in London, England, and uh, worked uh, remotely uh, over these last four weeks. And so they published it on August 22nd, 2023 under Marcus Liu. So we'll dive into uh, some of his analysis to see uh, the interesting points that he has been making. So it's interesting that he starts by giving us a very nice overview of where we are in terms of um, the global GDP and how it might be distributed in 2050. So these are according to projections from Goldman Sachs. So let's break this down. So they're expecting, I'll, I'll just start from the, um, the beginning that um, right now, um, when the recent report was released from Goldman Sachs, the balance of global economic power um, is projected to shift dramatically in the coming decades. More specifically, analysts believe that Asia could soon become the largest regional contributor to world GDP, surpassing the traditional economic powerhouses grouped together in the developed markets category. So when you look at the way that Goldman Sachs real GDP forecasts for the year 2050 um, are displayed, it is very interesting that if you look at the data and the highlights, we'll give you a regional breakdown and then we'll go into the specifics. Now, all the figures are going to be based on the 2021 U.S. dollar equivalent measurement projected to 2050. So for the Asia region, they're projecting up to $90.6 trillion of real GDP in 2050, or 40% of the total. So that's the, you know, very uh, comprehensive view, but it would exclude Japan. You know, it wouldn't have uh, some of the more developed markets. When you put all the developed markets together, which are considered the European Union, the North Americas, you know, the Japan, Australia, et cetera, the developed markets are expected to contribute about $83 trillion of the global GDP, real GDP in 2050, which is about 36%, so really a shift because it's much higher right now. For Central and Eastern Europe, the Middle East and Africa, 
they will reach a real GDP of $38.3 trillion by 2050, and they'll be about 17% of the global GDP. And then the Latin American region overall will reach about $16 trillion in real GDP, which is about 7% of total GDP. So they're expecting that global real GDP in 2050 could reach about $228 trillion. So quite a um, broad spectrum there. Now, based on these projections, Asia, excluding the developed markets, will represent, as I said, 40% of global GDP, slightly ahead of developed markets expectation, uh, which is an expected share of 36%. This would mark a massive shift from 50 years ago in 2000, when the developed markets represented over 77% of global GDP. Now, I think this is a wonderful reason why I started the global uh, capital markets audit uh, for this series, because I think it's so fundamental to watch these trends. So if 2000, that's in our lifetimes, in the year of 2000, 77% of all global GDP came from the developed markets of the European Union, the North Americas, of course, the G20, you know, basically Japan and Australia and a few others. And that's it. Everything's shifting. Now, 40% will be from non-developed markets in Asia. Although I think they're going to have to change that terminology, right? Because what's developed markets? What's not developed markets? I mean, now the economy is developing, the BRICS are developing, they're adding economies. So all the uh, economic language will be shifting in the next 30 years, no doubt. If we look at Asia, focusing on Asia, China and India will account for the majority of the region's expected GDP in 2050 through growth in China uh, alone. So though growth in China will have tapered off significantly um, between today, uh, 2021 projected time frame until 2050, but in fact, Goldman Sachs expects annual real GDP growth in the country to average 1.1% through the 2050s. This is surprisingly slower than America's expected 1.4% annual growth during the same decade. So clearly, they're expecting more growth in the USA than in China. The fastest growing economies in Asia during the 2050s will be India at about 3.1% annually, Bangladesh at 3% annually, and the Philippines at 3.5% annually. These thanks to their high population growth rates and relatively low median age, which translates into a large workforce. Now let's look at Latin America. Turning our attention to Latin America, we can see that the region will account for a relatively small 7% of global GDP in 2050. According to Goldman Sachs's previous projections from 2011, many Latin American countries have underperformed over the past decade. For example, Brazil's real GDP shrank from 2.7 trillion in 2010 to 1.5 trillion in 2020. Because of these setbacks, Goldman Sachs believes Indonesia 
will be able to overtake Brazil as the world's largest emerging market before 2050. So very important to see and follow what's happening. That said, Brazil's economic ranking is still expected to climb above France and Canada by then, if these projections prove to be accurate. So Canada and France will slip and Brazil will at least continue to grow in that sense. So very interesting. If we kind of go dive into the details just to give you uh, a sense, they're expecting the USA to climb to 37.2 trillion dollars, while India will be at 22.2 trillion dollars. China will be at 41.9 trillion dollars. So it will overtake the USA by that point of 2050. And then you can see some of the slowdown. Uh, France will be at 4.6 trillion, United Kingdom. 5.2 trillion, Japan, 6 trillion, Australia, 2.8 trillion, Germany, 6.2 trillion. And then some of these other developed markets will, uh, as a whole, uh, those in the European Union, et cetera, will be at 14.4 trillion together. Then if you look at South America and Latin America, countries like Mexico at 4.2 trillion, Chile at 0.7 trillion, Brazil, 4.9 trillion, Peru, 1 trillion, Ecuador, 0.3 trillion, Colombia, 1.4 trillion, Argentina at 1.4 trillion, and then all of the other Latin American countries together will combine to equal 2.1 trillion. Interesting in Asia, a lot of interesting growth, obviously China and India dominating, but after that, as it said, Indonesia, 6.3 trillion, Philippines, 2.5 trillion, Malaysia, 1.8 trillion, Bangladesh, 2.8 trillion, South Korea, 3.1 trillion, and Thailand at 1.7 trillion. And then all the other Asian countries combined will have a total of 8.3 trillion, those that are not just mentioned. And then if we look at some of the Middle Eastern countries and the African countries, those that are going to reach that close to 1 trillion level, it's interesting because they put Poland at 1.9 trillion. But then you jump to people like South Africa, 1.4 trillion, Kazakhstan, 0.9 trillion. Even Ghana will be at 0.5 trillion. Saudi Arabia, 3.5 trillion. Pakistan, 3.31 trillion. Egypt, 3.5 trillion. Turkey, 3.1 trillion. Ethiopia, 1.6 trillion. And then, of course, Nigeria, 3.4 trillion. And then if you combine some of the other economies in the Middle East and Africa, then you'll get another 10.7 trillion contrib contributing to the total projections. So developed markets will no longer represent the largest share of real GDP by 2050, being surpassed sometime in the mid in the mid-2040s. So it's really around the corner. Asia, excluding the developed markets, China's real GDP growth will taper off significantly by 2050, but countries like India, Bangladesh, and the Philippines will remain above 3% annually of GDP growth. So, you know, very, very powerful shift that will be happening um, in the years to come uh, by, by 2050, a massive shift. So very important. And 
and auditing the, the global capital economy, global capital markets. And we'll return to uh, what I was mentioning about the BRICS. We did go over the uh, BRICS expansion, uh, but let's dive deeper into it now that uh, they have some new um, charts published uh, on August 24th, 2023. Again, while uh, we were away in London, England, uh, working remotely these last four weeks, we didn't get to cover some of the new visual capitalist charts. They have visualizing the BRICS expansion uh, in four charts. Very interesting. So as you know, I've been talking about the BRICS. They are a block of developing countries that were formed in 2010. And they're welcoming six new members at the beginning of 2024. So originally it was just Brazil for the B, Russia for the R, I for the India, and C for the China, and then S was South Africa, BRICS. But they have new members, and they've also got members who've applied for uh, membership. So the new members include Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Iran, the United Arab Emirates, Ethiopia, and Argentina. Meanwhile, we have other countries that have applied for membership, including Ukraine, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Congo, Nigeria, Algeria, and Senegal, as well as Bolivia, Colombia, pardon me, Venezuela, Cuba, and interesting enough, it looks like yeah, it looks like uh, there's a small Central American country that's also applied for membership. Mm. Nicaragua. Hmm. So if we look at the share of global GDP, again, things are shifting because if we look on the overall shift in terms of the projections. In terms of the BRICS, with the new members, they will be at 29% of the global GDP. Saudi Arabia is the only trillion dollar economy being added to the BRICS, but still they're gonna make a big difference because China and India, China at 18.4% of the global GDP and then India at 3.6%. Uh, also, if you look at the population, by adding these other BRICS uh, members, new members, they're going to be 46% of the global population will be BRICS. Adding high population growth countries like Ethiopia means the BRICS could soon represent over half the world's population. So very powerful uh, conglomeration of countries. As you know, India is now the largest population populated country at 17.8% of the global population, followed by China at 17.7%. Uh, so, you know, you add those other members that they're going to be adding, and they're going to be almost half of the world's population. The BRICS are also, um, you know, a, a, a big significant percentage of the oil production. 
So with the addition of Saudi Arabia, Iran, and the United Arab Emirates, the UAE, they will be more than double, uh, doubling the BRICS share of global oil production. So they'll be at 43% oil production globally. Because Russia is a part of the BRICS, they have 11.9% of global production, followed by Saudi Arabia, which when added, they have 12.9% of oil production. Iran has 4.1% of oil production, and the UAE has 4.3% of oil production. And BRICS are also getting a good share of the global exports. And it will increase slightly um, to 25% of all export exports of goods uh, being done by the BRICS. Of course, China leading at 14.4% uh, of the uh, total exports of goods globally, it's coming from China. But with all the new bricks being added, they're going to be 25% of all uh, exports around the world. Now, if we look at the power of the BRICS, um, as you know, we've reviewed that these, these countries, the BRICS, um, are an association originally of the five major countries including Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Now, they're distinguished by their emerging economies. The group has sought to improve diplomatic coordination, reform global financial institutions, and ultimately serve as a counterbalance to the Western hegemony. So now, on August 24, 2023, the BRICS announced that it would formally accept six new members at the start of 2024. Saudi Arabia, Iran, Ethiopia, Egypt, Argentina, and the United Arab Emirates. So very interesting to see the growth with the BRICS expansion in terms of their influence and their reach. Because most of the new BRICS members are considered to be developing economies, their addition to the group will not have a major impact on its overall share of GDP. But nevertheless, it's significant. The BRICS will reach that 29.3% of the total GDP projections for 2023, or almost $31 trillion of GDP for this year will be coming from the BRICS. So that's powerful. And then, of course, the rest of the world they're the behemoths and the Western hegemony. They're contributing over 74, $74.362 trillion or 70.7% uh, share of the global GDP. But still the BRICS are catching up with only with almost 30%, with over 30, almost $31 trillion. The BRICS are definitely contributing to the global GDP and beginning to have a, a more powerful place in the global economy. And uh, you can see that in the, in the growth of their membership. So the original six BRICS members are expected to have a combined GDP of $27.6 trillion in 2023. So they're representing 26.3% of the global total. So with the new members included, the expected GDP climbs slightly to $30.8 trillion, enough for a 29.3% global share of the GD, global GDP. So it, it, it's helping increase by 3%, adding those, those new members that we mentioned. But BRICS 
have always represented a major chunk of the global population, thanks to China and India, which are the only countries with over 1 billion people. The two biggest populations being added to BRICS are Ethiopia, with 126.5 million people in Ethiopia, and Egypt, which has 112.7 million people. And so if you look at overall, uh, it's really the population that's greater in the BRICS uh, than necessarily their GDP. So, you know, of the 8 billion people, 3.7 billion of them are in the BRICS or 46% of the global population. Now that's significant. Um, now the rest of the world has the other 4.3 billion and uh, they're at 54% of the global population. So I think that's a very, very important um, measurement. Uh, and then that's why together they are beginning to be a stronger block. If you look at the populations, you know, Brazil, they're almost 220 million people. Russia, we know 145 million people. We always look at how India is over 1.4 billion. China is right at uh, the 1.4 billion. South Africa has 60, trill 60 million people. Saudi Arabia, almost 40 million. Iran, almost 90 million people. We just talked about Ethiopia, 126.5 million. Egypt, 112.7 million. Argentina, coming into the, the, the fray here, has almost 46 million people. And then the United Arab Emirates at 9.5 million. So they're really growing their numbers as BRICS add more countries to their membership. So it's possible that the BRICS could eventually surpass 50% of the global population as many more countries have expressed their desire to join. And that way they may not have the global GDP at 50%, but they'll have the population. So very, very important uh, clarification. The BRICS now are at 3.7 billion people of the 8 billion on the planet Earth, standing at 46% of the global population. Same thing in looking at the share of oil production, we were going through that, that although the world is trying to move away from fossil fuels, the global oil market is still incredibly large and the BRICS are set to play a much bigger role in it. Now this is mostly due to the admission of Saudi Arabia, which alone accounts for 12.9% of global oil production. Based on 2022 figures from the Energy Institute Statistical Review of the World Energy, the BRICS share of oil production will grow from 20.4% to 43.1%. So thousands of barrels per day are at over 40,454,000 40, barrels per day from the BRICS while the rest of the world is at 53,394,000 barrels per day. So the BRICS are producing 43.1% of oil production, and the rest of the world is producing 56.9% of oil production. So clearly the BRICS are starting to also um, have a dominant role with the oil production. It's worth noting that China has been pushing for oil trade to be dominated in, in Juan 
And that Saudi Arabia's acceptance into the BRICS could bolster this ambition, potentially shifting the dynamics of global oil trade. If oil trade is denominated in the Yuan China, that will really transform global oil trade, no doubt. Lastly, we were reviewing the share of global export exports and the last metric included in the graph, the uh, graphic of the visual, ex, uh, visual capitalist is in global exports, which is based on 2022 data from the World Trade Organization. And you can see that the BRICS expansion will grow the group's share of global exports or merchandise traded to 25.1% up from 20.2%. So again, the BRICS total is increasing. They have six, almost $6.3 billion in overall exports and 25.1% share of the global exports as BRICS, while the rest of the world stands at $18.646 billion in, pardon me, uh, this is in billions, so it's, the BRICS are at $6.259 trillion uh, and a share of global output of 25.1% in, in global exports. And then the rest of the world is standing at $18.646 trillion uh, with 74.9% uh, share of global uh, exports. So unsurprisingly, China is the world's largest exporter. Major exporters that are not part of the BRICS include the USA at 8 8.3%, Germany at 6.6%, the Netherlands at 3.9%, and Japan at 3%. So it's interesting, according to Reuters, there are over 40 countries that, ex that have expressed interest in joining the BRICS. A smaller group of 16 countries have actually applied for membership, though, and this list includes Algeria, Cuba, Indonesia, Palestine, and Vietnam. And as the group grows in size, differing opinions and priorities among its members could create tensions in the future. For example, India and China have had numerous border disputes in recent years, while Brazil's newly elected president has sought to, quote, kickstart a new era of relations, unquote, with the USA. One thing is definitely certain, however, and that is the new acronym for the group will definitely be needed very soon because it has always just included those five original countries. So before we close the program for today, I would like to now jump uh, to some other interesting developments on visualcapitalist.com that have a relationship also to how this affects the millionaires and multi-billionaires and the multi-millionaires that we've been mapping throughout the show this year on auditing the global capital markets with Allison. So it's interesting. They just published this yesterday, September 20th, 2023, uh, by Avery Coop. Uh, it's called Mapped, the Migration of the World's Millionaires in 2023. So really fascinating, particularly with my work for LCR Capital uh, as a senior advisor looking at 
the programs for the multimillionaires and multi-billionaires who want to gain residency in the European Union or North America through investment. So this came across my desk, very interesting publication yesterday uh, where they are publishing the top countries forecasted to gain and lose the most high net worth individuals in 2023. So high net worth individuals are defined as having wealth over $1 million. So they have a very powerful graphic pointing the millionaires that are entering and the millionaires that are leaving. So just going through the data, mapping the migration of the world's millionaires in 2023, just like everyone else, high net worth individuals traveled less than usual during the pandemic. And as a result, their migration numbers trended downwards. But millionaires and billionaires are on the move again. And it is anticipated that 122,000 high net worth individuals will move to a new country by the end of the year. Henley and Partners Private Wealth Management Report has tracked the country's high net worth individuals and they have moved from, in terms of where they have moved from and to, to, to where they're going, over the last 10 years. And so this private wealth migration report by Henley and Partners forecasts the 2023 map for the millionaires. So here are the countries welcoming new millionaires. The top 10 countries, which are likely to become home to the highest number of millionaires and billionaires in 2023, are scattered across the globe, with Australia reclaiming its top spot this year from the United Arab Emirates. So the projected high net worth individual inflow for 2023, number one is Australia, with a projected 5,200 individuals coming from the high net worth individual community. Number two will be the United Arab Emirates with 4,500 projected, Number three is Singapore with 3,200 projected. Number four is the USA with 2,100 projected. Number five is Switzerland with 1,800 projected. Number six is Canada with 1,600 projected. Number seven is Greece with 1,200 projected. Number eight is France with 1,000 projected high net worth individuals inflowing in 2023 to France. Number nine is Portugal with 800 projected HNWI inflow for 2023. And number 10 is New Zealand with 700 projected high net worth individual inflow numbers for 2023. Only two Asian countries make the top 10 with the rest spread across Europe, North America, and Oceania. Despite historic economic challenges, Greece is projected to gain 1,200 high net worth individuals this year. One reason could be the country's golden visa program, wherein wealthy individuals can easily obtain residence and eventually EU passports for the right price. Currently, a minimum real estate investment cost 
of 250,000 euros is all that's required. Many of the leading millionaire destinations are attractive for wealthy individuals because of higher levels of economic freedom, allowing for lax or tax burdens or ease of investment. Singapore, which expects to gain 3,200 millionaires, is the most economically free market in the world. Now, let's turn to the countries that are going to be losing the most millionaires. China is anticipated to lose 13,500 high net worth individuals this year, more than double as many as the second place country of India, which will lose 6,500 millionaires or high net worth individuals. So if we look at the bottom 10, the countries that are gonna be losing, number one is China with an expected 13,500 projected high net worth individuals that are gonna have an outflow in 2023. India, 6,500. The United Kingdom with over 3,200 projected high net worth individuals to leave. Russia, number four, with over 3,000 expected to leave. Uh, Brazil, number five, then expected 1,200 projected to leave. Number six is Hong Kong. Hong Kong is expecting over 1,000 to leave. South Korea, number seven, with over 800 people projected as high net worth individuals to outflow from South Korea in 2023. Number eight is Mexico. Over 700 people expected to leave from the high net worth individual community. Number nine is South Africa, with over 500 people projected to leave 2023. And then number 10 is Japan, with over 300 people expected to leave Japan. In a number of these countries, strict regulatory bodies and corrupt governments can hinder the ease with which high net worth individuals can manage their own money. In Russia, many wealthy individuals are facing personal tariffs and trade restrictions from Western countries due to the war in Ukraine. China's crackdown on Hong Kong have made it, has made it even uh, less attractive as a place for business. And finally, the United Kingdom's exit from the European Union has caused many businesses and individuals to lose the easy movement of labor, finances, and investment that made operations across European borders seamless. Some of these countries may still be adding homegrown millionaires and billionaires, but losing thousands of high net worth individuals to net migration, which does have a considerable economic impact. Very fascinating. Overall, Millionaires are increasingly on the move. In the 10 years of reporting, despite a dip during the pandemic, the number of high net worth individuals moving away from their countries of origin has been growing every year. So they started tracking it in 2013. Very interesting. There was only a projected 51,000 millionaires or projected high net worth individuals that were going to be doing a migration from their home country. 2014, it grew to 57,000. 2015, it grew to 64,000. 2016, 82,000. 2017, 95,000. 2018, 108, 
6,000. 2019, 110,000. So we're getting back to those kinds of numbers because it dropped during the pandemic. 2020, only 12,000 left. 2021, they projected 25,000 would leave. Now, 2022, they expected 84,000 people in the high net worth individual uh, community to leave. Whereas this forecast for 2023 is above 122,000 people. In a geopolitically fragile but more connected world, it's no surprise to see millionaires voting with their feet. As a result, governments are increasingly in competition to win the hearts and minds of the world's economic elite to their side. And if we look at the overall uh, migration, we've been going over the numbers. If you go to the chart, you can really see how large the outflow is from Asia and how large the outflow is from Russia, the UK, Brazil, Mexico. And the influx is to North America, to the European Union, to the UAE, and then to Singapore and Australia. Since the Brexit vote in 2016, the UK has suffered a net exodus of millionaires, losing 12,500 from 2017 to 2022. It's a lot of people. And Australia, as we mentioned, has reclaimed its top position for net millionaire arrivals this year, which it previously held from, 20, from 2015 to 2019. So they're back receiving record numbers. Over 5,200 millionaires went to Australia. So very fascinating understanding of what's happening with the migration of high net worth individuals. And, you know, it makes sense uh, when you start looking at uh, what's happening and, and, and what's going on globally. Uh, so, you know, we, we know in mapping the overall flow that there is definitely uh, movement going on of the multimillionaires and the multi-billionaires. Uh, in fact, we already reviewed this previously, but just looking at an understanding of where we are with the multi-billionaires, it's interesting that overall, There has been an interesting shift. There's a report again from Visual Capitalist, but we we reviewed this. It's from Joyce Ma from September 15, 2022. And obviously they'll update this because the world's billionaire population reporting for the conclusion of 2021, they reported this in 2022. At the time, uh, there were 3,311 billionaires worldwide, representing almost $11.8 trillion in collective wealth. Now, we just reviewed in the beginning of the program how we hit $105 trillion in, nom in total GDP globally. Um, now, that's not the same as the $1,720 trillion in overall wealth. But those billionaires are 3,311 as of last year, and they represent almost $12 trillion, you know, so 12%, over 12% uh, or more of the current total wealth. 
And it's interesting because clearly the USA has the most billionaires, but it's followed by, you know, Canada. So the USA has 975 billionaires. Canada has 60 billionaires. Germany, 176 billionaires. The United Kingdom, 120. Switzerland, 111. Russia, 107. France, 68. Italy, 68. And the rest of Europe, 304. And they break it down by city as well. So we can, you know, go over this more in detail. But it's interesting that if you look at it, the U.S. is home uh, to more billionaires than any other country. And together, their collective wealth is worth $4.45 trillion. The Big Apple is the top billionaire city in the world with 138 billionaires in New York, 85 billionaires in San Francisco, and 59 billionaires in Los Angeles. But then if you move to Europe, Europe saw the highest growth of billionaire wealth in 2021, up 22% year over year. And so there's 77 billionaires in London, 33 billionaires in Paris, and 75 billionaires in Moscow, and then 33 in Istanbul, in Turkey, and 38 in Dubai, in the UAE. While Mumbai has 40 billionaires, then the next city's in China. So Hong Kong has 114 billionaires followed by 63 billionaires in Beijing, 44 in Shenzhen, and 35 in Hangzhou, while there are currently 50 billionaires in Singapore. So China has the second highest number of billionaires after the USA. Africa's billionaire wealth grew 16.5% year over year. Of the world's billionaires, 20 individuals have respective net worths over 50 billion and collectively own true $2 trillion. So the uh, 20, the top 20 individuals. Over the last 10 years, the change in the worldwide billionaire wealth was up 90%. And we know that that was very strong as they consolidated the, consolidated the wealth during the pandemic. very um, interesting graphic of, you know, how the billionaires are spread across, you know, just a few economies. Very interesting. The world's billionaires, only 3,311 individuals represent almost $11.8 trillion in wealth. The global Billionaire population continued to grow in 2021, increasing by 3%. Over the same period, billionaire wealth also increased by 18%. So very uh, interesting um, review. They got, they got their data from Wealth X Billionaire Census. So we we'll probably will dive into that on the next program. But I want to thank you so much for joining us on this program, as we are definitely running out of time. But there's so much to discuss on global auditing of the global capital markets here with Allison. And it's such a pleasure to be back from London, England, and to be back in Southern California and be able to bring the program to you again. 
uh, and we'll be continuing to dive into auditing the global capital markets, understanding the global economy, and dissecting uh, where our $1,720 trillion are across this globe. So thank you again for joining us today. Again, I'm Allison Johnson. I'm here in Southern California. You can reach me by email at allison at 2414morgan.com or our website, www.2414mdinternational.com. And I'm across all the social media networks. So you can find me under for LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Venmo, pardon me, uh, all of the plethora of social media platforms. <laughs> so thanks again for joining us today. Look forward to getting your feedback. Feel free again to email me at allison at 2414morgan.com or at 2414 Morgan Development International, reporting live from Southern California. Thank you again for joining us. And we will be back again with auditing the global capital markets with Allison. Thank you again.